0: Today, we're speaking with Jason Witt, the director of sales at Bonfire, and you're going to hear an interesting story about how he went from pursuing a CFA to pivoting into sales with tons of ups and downs, including completely crashing and burning in his first demo. This is going to be a fun conversation. Stay tuned.
1: Welcome to Seller's Journey, the podcast where we speak to great sales reps and leaders and share their real stories from start to sales
0: success. Hey, Jason, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Joseph. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. So, I our guests, our audience would have heard your introduction, and I'm, I'm so looking forward to getting into some of these stories. But to start off at the beginning maybe you can help our audience out. Where'd you go to school? What were you studying?
1: Yeah, so uh, born and raised in Waterloo, uh, went to Wilfrid Laurier as well, uh, did economics and, and finance
0: as my undergrad there. Nice. And now you're a director of sales. What's the elevator pitch for Bonfire? Well, what does the company do?
1: Yeah, no, no. Uh, happy to to kind of enlighten you here. So, so really, Bonfire is about reinventing procurement to better our actual world. So our whole thought and philosophy is that if you can spend smarter um, in the public sector, that means more resources, better services um, for us as, as a population and society. And, you know, given kind of the situation out there, I think it's more prevalent than ever.
0: Totally fair. And I love the, uh, the attention and the contextualization of what's going on today. I imagine you're seeing a shift in your selling processes. How, how's that impacting your sales cycles?
1: Yeah, no, it, it's been it's been interesting. Um, we actually, uh, to just help out, uh, we decided to, at the beginning of this whole crisis, start offering Bonfire for free. Um, and, oh. and it's actually just been a, a great gateway just to having great conversations with people, helping where we can. Um, some people are leveraging the free program. Other people from that free program have actually decided to be clients already. Um, so for us, it's been an interesting Pivot as we'd never offered, you know, free services before. But um, you know, we're we're learning, and uh, it, it's been it's been good. We're we're happy to be helping people, and and at least the public sector, and uh,
0: just in general across Canada and the U.S. So, free's a hard price to to beat. Is it changing your sales cycle and sales motions much?
1: Uh, it's it's adding a just I think a new new pathway um, to it. It's maybe delaying the cycle a, a little bit, but we're finding that it it's starting to generate um a more humanistic approach to selling. Um so you build that relationship quicker with the prospect and we're actually seeing kind of conversion rates um trending upwards because you have, you know, that that ability to just get um you know one to one with that prospect understand with the pains that they're dealing with, especially pains that are prevalent right now and and offering something for free to help them I think has really allowed them to look at us different than just, you know, tech salespeople, but actually people that generally
0: want to help them. Well, I know we could spend a ton of time talking about what you and your team are seeing, but I want to make sure that we hit on some of the things that we, we spoke about in that intro. Uh, you weren't intending to be a director of sales though, when you started. Uh, you shared a great comment about, you know, even the influence that your father had on your direction. Maybe you can start us off there. What was your original plan?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, so I I had um, taken the same kind of program that my dad had done in university. Um, He's a CFO for an investment firm, and uh, he did his uh, now CPA, but back in the day was his uh, CMA. And so I decided I kind of wanted to do my CFA. Um, My now wife at that time was in Toronto doing some co-op placements as a graphic design and had a job lined up there. I was working for TD. So, you know, our whole idea was to be big city people and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, myself work on Bay street and my wife do graphic design there for, for a firm. And, um, she actually got a job then instead in Stratford for a, a boutique firm oh. there and completely kind of pivoted the way I was thinking of our future. And so I wanted to look at something a little closer to home cause I, I hated that commute.
0: <laughs> mm. Now your, your role, uh, in the bank, can you share a little bit about how how you got started there and and what that was like.
1: Yeah. So that was actually my first job kind of coming out of a uh, university that was just more in, in the finance and kind of business field. So um, the idea was, you know, get in at, at one of the local branches here. And then um, I had built some connections with the branch manager and um, they had contacts kind of down on Bay Street. And I thought I'd be going into kind of um, financial operations and analytics and analysis and, and all that fun stuff. Um, but, uh, yeah, an interesting kind of story. So my dad kind of sat down with me, we're sharing a glass of wine one day. Um, Mm. and we were, you know, talking about, well, do I go to Toronto? Do I stay here? What do I do? Um, and he kind of, you know, laid it out of what he had gone through and, you know, the grueling 70, 80 hours of work, um, as an associate pretty much for 10 or 15 years until, you kind of get into the role where you start reaping the rewards. And uh, I just, at that point in time, you know, at 25 years old, you're kind of thinking to yourself, there's got to be an easier way. (laughs) He really sold you on it, huh? (laughs) Yeah, to kind of, to to make that, you know, same kind of money in in your life and and achieve those kind of things, but maybe do so here in in Waterloo. And so I kind of looked at what was booming in Waterloo and I knew tech was, and I looked at sales, and I was always kind of a personal person. And, um, you know, in university, I had odd sales jobs. So I'd been like a fundraiser for Sick Kids Ho- Hospital and uh, mm. even like did demos for Keurigs at like Future Shop and Best Buy stores back in the day. And so from there, um, kind of just looked at what Waterloo kind of held as an opportunity. And tech in my mind was just ever growing. And when you look at what's really like a, a job in sales, it's, I think never going to die, that's tech sales. And that there's always going to be someone that needs to sell technology regardless of what that technology is. And so that's kind of what led me to pivot from you know per- pursuing the CFA pathway to now uh, a sales director.
0: So you've got the degree, you're working on the CFA, you've got a role at a bank, you've got a father with all these pressures. What anxieties or uncertainties did you have as you looked at a tech sales role? Because there's a big gamble there. And I'm sure it wasn't just kind of an easy decision. You know, what what was weighing on you?
1: No, for sure. It was even the fact of, like, cold calling. Like, that, when I I walked into kind of that first interview as a BDR, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was with Desire to Learn. You know, they talked me through the daily responsibilities. and, And even cold calling, like, that is... Um, even for people that are very outgoing, um, you know, it, it's a difficult thing to do. So I always give so much credit to to BDRs wherever I am, or whatever role I'm in, because they're front lines, they're calling people, they're, they're that first line of trying to pitch what this company can do for them. And so, you know, that that was probably a nerve wracking thing for me was actually getting on the phones, making the dials. Um, but, you know, I, I just kind of pushed through it. And after you do it and you get, you know, about 100 no's sent your way, 500 no's sent your way, it just kind of rolls off your back. And then you realize that, you know, what these people kind of think of you or are saying or or whatever, you know, it it doesn't really kind of impact you or affect you too much. So, you know, once I got over that hurdle and realized that what we were doing was great and offering was great, um, then it was just finding the people that cared about what you cared about. And then when you had that connection, that's when I really started to love my job is when I could talk to those people that cared about what we cared about. And you could see, you know, things clicking there. And and so I think that was how I overcame something that was very nervous for me, and I think nervous for a lot of BDRs. But what you have to look for in that future is just really just finding what makes you comfortable in that role, but then capitalizing it and, and using it to advance your career forward.
0: I love the way you phrase that Yeah. open about the the anxiety, the uncertainty, the fact that people say things, but finding people and speaking with people who care about what you care about. I think that's a fantastic way to phrase it. Thank you for phrasing it that way. Um, yeah, no problem. That, that role, you have a really interesting uh, leap. We hear from a lot of people that they can get into that BDR role, but often where they hit a bit of a plateau or a challenge is transitioning from that BDR to an account executive role because some companies make that easier. Some companies make that harder, and it's always a challenge. You had the added complexity of going from a very successful scale up that's that's known around the world to a relatively anonymous startup. Can you share a little bit about that that leap from BDR to account executive? Because uh, that story is a lot of fun. I'd love to hear hear it in your words.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Um, it it was it was interesting. Um, I, there was a a BDR that I'd given advice to um even mm-hmm. in an elevator at D2L and he ended up getting hired and um you know he knew Corey Flat our CEO and he had actually said because I was looking to kind of do that transition, he said, Hey, I know this startup, um they're doing really cool things. They were just coming back from Y Combinator at that time. So the big incubator down in Silicon Valley. And uh he said, you know, I, I can fit you in connection and just go in and chat with these guys. And and I was looking at um Fidyard as well and, and a few other organizations, um, in addition to, to kind of where I was at D2L. And, and then, um, from there I, I sat down with the guys, um, and it was, I still remember coming into that first interview, um, that was on, on location. We'd met at Balzac's of course. And then the second interview mm-hmm. was actually at, at this pool shop. So Acapulco pools on Victoria, they had, um, Kind of leased out the front of the pool shop, so when I got in there, you know, I'm all in a suit and a tie, and all the other guys are in jeans and t-shirts and flip-flops. And I hear a band saw going behind because it was still an active <laughs> pool construction <laughs> shop behind us. So there's this bandsaw going, and Wait, now my is, VP... is this the
0: place with the Bojangles dance studio right next door? Yes, that's correct. Yes, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so you got a pool shop on one side, a dance studio on the other but you're going to sell tech. Okay. i got it so far. Yep. So we got six guys there in the front of a shop.
1: So then the second interview is kind of my now VP. Um, you know, he was a director then and he was selling and you know, they, they took me through a demo of the product and it just kind of, it clicked, you know, they, they kind of mm. pitched me what Bonfire was trying to do and where they'd come from. And I love that, you know, they had gone down to Silicon Valley, done really y, uh, well in Y Combinator, and they decided to come back home um, and mm-hmm. came back to Canada and, and tried to make a footprint here. Um, but then, you know, I, I just got behind the story, so then um, ended up taking a, a rep role there. And I, I still kind of remember the first day um, walking in and uh, doing my thing, and kind of at the at the end of the day. There's a nice seasoned sales veteran and, uh, you know, it was kind of his three month probation and, and they had decided to, to part ways with him and, you know, I was coming from a BDR and now I'm the only rep there and I'd never sold a thing in my life. You know, the, the fear just set in. I remember calling my dad in the car, just telling him this and he just laughed and he said, well you better buckle down for the next three months. And that's that's exactly what I did.
0: Sympathetic. Love it. (laughs) So I got to ask, they must've given you some indication as to why they they walked out an experienced rep, but kept you in the seat at the end of day one. You know, what, what do you think you brought to the table that caught their interest and gave them confidence in you?
1: Yeah. So this was actually a, a funny story. So I actually didn't find out why they kept me until kind of years later, we were at a, our, our annual Christmas party. And I was just, you know, talking to my VP and, and CEO and Corey and Andrew. And I, I just kind of said, listen, guys, like you put, you put me in just such a weird position. Like what happened? Like walk me through, like, what were you guys thinking there? And they finally kind of, laid it out for me to understand and it was it was a pretty nice thing to hear from them you know they had said that the day you started you came in and you you just got to work you started developing your territory started identifying mm-hmm. top accounts um you even started calling people and we weren't even expecting that you you were trying to elevator pitch bonfire and you barely knew bonfire but it was just they kind of said in 24 hours you had kind of put in more effort to try and further the company than, you know, kind of what one of these seasoned reps had done. And so that was, you know, all of a sudden they had sat down, you know, 30 minutes before they had met with this other guy and just made the decision. And they, they of course, are laughing the entire time while they're telling me this.
0: Oh, and man. I'm
1: kind of providing the other, you know, yin to the yang of, yeah, well, you know, way to, to kind of put me in the hot seat. And, you know, it, it was – it's been fun ever since. Um, So it's been a blast.
0: We talk a lot about how startups, you know, the only constant is change and you got to live that uh, kind of with a front row seat. Uh, Congratulations on making it through it, but wow, that must've been terrifying.
1: Yeah. It's, it's been an experience. It's been kind of everything from early days, you know, the company, six little company back then with six guys kind of sitting Mm -hmm. down saying, okay, well we need to hit this revenue target or we aren't going to be able to Pay the salaries or the bills, you know, next month. And so, what are we going to do to do this? Uh, luckily, it's no not a problem anymore. But you know, now there's just bigger numbers to go after with other problems tied to it. But it, it's been it's been really interesting. I think that's one of my favorite things, at least in my role there and how I've developed and transitioned from a BDR to kind of the role I am now is is doing so in a startup in um, a company that had to reinvent and develop as well. So that was just a, a really cool thing was it added an extra layer of complexity, which ultimately, I think kind of drove me as as a rep to just work harder and um, try and think more outside the box, because you didn't have all the resources that you have, um, you know, at, at a company that has been around for forever and has a solid sales team and, you know, knows the playbooks inside and out. Um, it was a something that we all had to learn. And, and I think that that's an experience I 100% wouldn't change for the world and would highly recommend to anyone who's got the opportunity to do it.
0: So just to give kind of the other bookend, you started as a BDR, six people. It's less than five years later. You're the director of sales. How big is Bonfire now?
1: Uh, we're about 100 employees um, okay. right now.
0: So let's just kind of for our audience, keeping that in mind. So Jason's had the chance to go through four or five different roles less than five years incredible growth um, so you know I, I say this loving startups but often in the early days it's chaotic and we have no idea what we're doing um, you, you shared a little bit around uh, an early demo that was maybe a good example of that uh, and and you spoke about how uh, it was a complete disaster your first demo can you can you share that experience a little bit I think that would be a great experience for our audience to hear
1: yeah for sure um so this was in my first week of Uh being there as a rep uh they decided after um you know the other rep leaving i had i had to take on some of his demos in addition to my director and so they kind of said listen you know listen jay we, we we know this is a bit awkward and tough but can you lead this demo it's on friday and i started on tuesday (laughs) <laughs> and, and so in three days you know I'm trying to learn the product I'm trying to listen to how my my now VP was demoing it <laughs> and selling it and all the nuances and I had to learn even like what an RFP was and you know how how do these public agencies even, purchase things and so it wasn't even just learning the the tool but how do these agencies even purchase and what are their policies and how does this affect it kind of by by state Mm -hmm. regulation and so it was just so many things that i i kind of thought i knew and i walked in and i started demoing and about 30 minutes into this hour-long demo the the prospect kindly stops me and um, just says, you know what, I, I think that I've seen enough. This really doesn't look like it's something for me. I'm going to get going. And so that was you know, the first <laughs> demo. Luckily, I was leading it by myself because Andrew was on another demo. And you know, I was in this little call closet that we had, which was our janitorial uh-huh. closet. So you know, no one had really heard this, but you know, that that was kind of my first selling experience as a rep was just someone stopping me and saying, No, thank you. And you know, from there you're just kinda of demoralized for the next ten oh, minutes man. of like, Oh, how am I gonna do this? But you know, you you learn from it and you just push through it and you know, since then I've probably led thousands of, of bonfire demos. Um, but oh you know, fun story is it account kinda of turned back around and um, we actually got the account back about a year later. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it all comes back around. Um, so I, I think that was just a great thing.
0: It does. I mean, having somebody walk out in the middle of the demo is, is almost worse than just having a no show. That's tough. Uh, kudos to you to sticking with it. That's a tough first week. Wow. Um, this is incredible. As I, I think about the the testament to to your work, turning it around, I mean, you had some rough challenges at the beginning and now as you've grown to be a, a director of sales there. I think that's a huge testament to your work. So congratulations. You know, great, great work, Jason.
1: Thanks, Jason.
0: Um, I think it's also a testament to Bonfire. I think they've got a great, great founding culture. If they can give somebody that kind of an opportunity, you know, let them stumble and still see great success. I, I think that's a, a great example of uh, kind of living and breathing that agile startup life. So, you know, kudos to the whole Bonfire team um i know i said i wouldn't keep you too long do you have time for just a couple of rapid fire questions before we wrap up
1: yeah of course
0: perfect okay so you've been at a bonfire you've been at a bank you've been at a desire to learn uh tools what's your favorite sales tool
1: uh to, it would have to be gong that that's my favorite sales team right now
0: nice and outside of work entertainment uh what about movies what's your favorite movie
1: um, so I was always a, a big fan ever growing up of just the James Bond franchise. So anything
0: 007. Oh, I love it. Okay, last one. You shared what your objectives were kind of going through school and, and graduating, but casting your mind back even before when you were a kid, what did you want to grow up to be?
1: Uh, well, with 007 and watching those movies a lot with my grandfather, I just, I thought that I was going to be a, a spy um, and work for, you know, the, the Canadian <laughs> government and the and traveling all over and, and that and, and spying on on villains but alas that, that just was not a real a real job that was available.
0: <laughs> director of sales is a close second, I gotta say though.
1: Hey you get to travel. You get to travel <laughs> there you go.
0: There you go. Jason, this has been such a delight. Thank you for making the time and for sharing your story. Uh I, I enjoyed this conversation so much.
1: Well thanks for having me. I, I appreciate the the opportunity. It was great to tell it.
0: My pleasure. Looking forward to our next conversation. Hope you have an awesome day. Thanks, Joseph.